0: Today, I'm gonna talk about a topic that I've been wanting to talk about for quite some time. And it's personal to all of us because it involves all of us. It's gonna be a new mini series that instead of uh, doing a three or four month series, I'm just gonna do two and a half months. I'm just kidding. It will not be two and a half months. Uh, Probably the next three or four weeks, I'll be talking about this topic. So today I wanna talk with you about kingdom business. It's gonna be a kingdom business series. The title of this message is, It's Not Personal, It's Just Kingdom Business. It's not personal, it's just kingdom business. Roughly a month ago, I talked about carrying the load and carrying burdens. All of us need help carrying loads and burdens, and no one is without them. Every single one of us has a load to carry, all of us are burdened in some way or another. We're all dealing with something, whether it's family, finances, people, coworkers, things happening around the world. All of us have a stress or a pressure or a weight that's on our shoulders and on our life. And we all also need each other to help carry that weight. And though we need each other, we need Jesus first. First Peter chapter five, verse six through seven. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. It's arrogant and it's prideful to think that you can live your life by your own hand. This is why the scripture says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that God would exalt you in due time. Everybody say due time. God has a due time. We struggle with being patient. We struggle with God's time versus the time that we want something. So what often happens is, is instead of staying humble and coming under the hand of God in our everyday life, we take charge and try to make things happen. That's pride and that's arrogance. We humble ourselves under the hand of God first. Humility under the hand of God always leads to you being exalted in due time, but it's only in God's time, not your time. And you don't know when that time is. It's not for you to know the times or seasons. It's for you to stay humble under the hand of God. Now, if you think about the hand of God, it represents not only his guidance and his comfort, but it also represents discipline and correction. This is why we always run to God first. Always. We need each other, but we first run to God and we humble ourselves under his hand. No matter what it looks like, no matter how hard it is, no matter the situation that you're in, always run to the Lord first. Anything outside of that is you choosing to do it in your own way. Humility under the hand of God in time will cause you to be exalted. Now, what kind of exalted is that? It doesn't mean necessarily fame, notoriety, money, and wealth, though some of that could come. And if it comes and you're not humbled under his hand, you'll also get prideful and arrogant when it happens. But we don't chase after those things. We chase after the hand of God and the heart of God. And in time, when God chooses to exalt you, God always puts you in the position you were destined to be in, whatever that looks like. Your identity as sons and daughters, your position in a place of authority, in the context of your family, and the community that's around you, your position of influence to other people, your leadership ability. God always exalts you and puts you in a place where you can lead others more efficiently and more effectively because you stayed humble. Every single one of us has a call to shepherd and lead in the kingdom of God. We all do, but we have to stop chasing titles and positions and value based on what we do. And instead we rest and trust in who we are. I have nothing to defend. You don't have anything to defend. You're loved, that's why God says be like a child. What defense does a child have? And unless we become like a child, we can't inherit the kingdom of God. And so we stay low, we stay humble, and we trust even more. The Father always has a due time. For us, when we walk properly with him, he always has a due time for your life. If only God's people would stay humble, would trust him and be patient. I would say that our biggest struggle in this house is patience. That's my biggest struggle with all the fruits of the spirit is patience. Now, I've learned patience through hardship, endurance, suffering, persecution, but we live in a world and a culture where we want something and we want it now. And we don't understand why when we get overlooked or when somebody else gets promoted or someone else is being blessed, and you're not when you've done the right things. And we find ourselves living in a world of comparison. I'm going to talk to you about that. But there must always be a constant casting to a God that is constantly caring. Let's everybody say constant casting. casting. Cast your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. That's how much he loves you. So he's saying all your burdens, all your weights, all your struggles, every issue, every load, everything you're carrying, what does he want you to do? He wants you to constantly cast it at his feet because he cares for you. So we're always casting to a God that's always caring. Scripture is literal here. God wants your cares because he cares. God does care, now I care too. And I have people that come to me all the time that say, pastor, I don't know what to do. I need guidance, I need help, and I understand that. There's a lot of people that don't feel like they can hear God's voice properly. And sometimes I need to be, or you need to be that voice of God for that person who's lost their way or been overtaken, because your job's to restore them back to him. But it doesn't ever preclude what you're supposed to always lead them to, and that's the source of life. It's easy to run to one another. For so many people, it's difficult to run first to God. We're quick to type, call, text, instead of sit at his feet and listen and wait. See, God loves you. He wouldn't tell you to cast his care if he didn't care for you. If the Lord didn't care for you, he wouldn't be telling you, cast your care to him. So we run to him first. And I tell people all the time, you pray about it. More often than not, people tell me, No, that's why I'm coming to you. I said, No, you need to learn the love of the Father. You need to learn that God cares for you. Go sit at His feet. Go rest. Go wait. Go listen. God loves you. He's he's a talking God. He doesn't want, He's not a silent God. And if He is silent, it's only because He's concealing a matter for you to seek it out. If He's holding back information from you, or something that you're not hearing more often than not because God wants to get your attention and spend time with you. Or maybe there's something in your life he wants to deal with before he speaks to that other thing. Sadly, most people won't pay the price. They want the benefit, they want the policy, but they don't wanna pay the price for it. And all of us have to pay that price. It's casting constantly at the feet of Jesus, like a fisherman with a cast net. You're always casting all your cares every day upon the Lord. Every day, all the time. Cast your cares upon him because God cares for you. I've learned to run to people for help in times of need. But I've also learned to go to God before I run to another. I need people in my life. I need you in my life. You need one another in your life. But I need God first. I need what he says first. And if I think God's telling me something and I'm not sure, I can get wise counsel from other people that love and care about me. It's easy to run to other people for the resources that you need when you're in trouble, whether it's money, whether it's clothes, whether it's paying bills. And I understand that. And we should still help one another to the best of our ability. But the best help somebody could ever get is more than just money and clothes and stuff because those things in the end will never satisfy. And sometimes all they do is enable, right? There's things as toxic charity where it's handouts instead of hand ups. And so we always help people, but we also need to get people to grow spiritually, amen? So we teach people to cast their cares upon the Lord. And in time, God will exalt you in the sense that you'll come out of that situation, you'll be stronger, you'll be healthier, you'll walk in your identity, your walk and your purpose and your calling, you become who it is that you're called to become. That's being exalted. I'd rather walk in full confidence as a son than to have more stuff, fame, notoriety, titles, positions, or whatever comes with it. Hearing the father say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's awesome. Or this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I mean, that's the best thing I could ever hear from God. Because you can have all the other stuff and not hear that and be miserable. And that's a, that is a word you can't pay a price for. Last week, we talked about Galatians chapter six, verses one through seven. I wanna revisit that again. Galatians 6, one, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Verse six, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. So let's go back to verse one. Spiritual people are in the business of restoring people that are overtaken. This church is in the broken people business. Lots of hurting and broken and destitute, those that are in financial straits, those that don't know God, those that are living for themselves, those that are addicted, those that are living hurting, isolated, lonely lifestyles, those are the ones that are gonna come in here And our job for those that have been overtaken in trespasses is first to be spiritual. This word for spiritual is the word pneumatikos. It's two words. It first means breath, wind, or spirit led or driven. We're wind driven. We're spirit led at all times. And when people are spiritual, they can compare spiritual things with spiritual things. And in turn, when somebody's not spiritual or has gotten overtaken, all of us can get overtaken at times, by the way. Fear, worry, doubt, frustration, loneliness, offenses, unforgiveness, bitterness, addiction, failures, missteps. Everybody in here is subject to weakness. Hebrews 5:1 makes it very clear. That the man of God, picked by God, chosen to be a high priest for the people is always subject to weakness. There's not one of us in this room that's not subject to weakness. And there's not one of us in this room that doesn't need grace and mercy. There's not one of us in here that should not be restored gently. You can still correct gently because the Father corrects you gently. That's what spiritual people do. Spiritual people that are wind-driven by the Holy Spirit and the breath of God have a special focus to restore the overtaken. We're in the broken people business. And that's why spiritual people are destined to be strong and to carry a lot of weight. All of us that are full of the Holy Spirit, that are called by God in the kingdom of God have a responsibility to carry a lot of weight. These people get supernatural grace by God to carry this weight. I talked with you last, or the last time I spoke about how sometimes I feel so loaded down and so burdened that I don't feel like I can do anything for someone else. You ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you have so much on your plate and you're spinning, so it's like, how could I even give of my time? But what I've learned over the course of time is that if I don't make the decision to stretch my hand out and help somebody, even when I feel that way, God doesn't expand my capacity and give me the extra grace to carry. But when I stretch out my hand, I get extra grace to help carry your burden because God never destined for you to go alone. And all of us are destined to carry a lot of weight and responsibility. But if you don't stretch out your hand to help someone else, you won't get greater grace and greater empowerment and God won't expand you to help other people. That's why I say, get connected, love people, serve people, pray for people. Make the sacrifice to waste your life away on the king's kingdom. It's the king's domain, the kingdom of God. And God puts you in a position to carry not only your load, but to carry the weights and loads of others. Even Jesus needed help carrying his cross. We all need help. None of us are, are, should be too prideful to go it alone and to be isolated, And guess what? God's always gonna put you with a Peter. He's always gonna put you with a Judas. Even Jesus said in all of his 12, I chose all 12 of you and one of you's a devil. So, oh man, that person's the devil. Even Jesus tried to restore Judas all the way to the end when he sat at the table, looked him in the eye. Now, Matthew's not Judas, but imagine if he was. And and he and I are eating and I'm looking at you and I say, they say, who's gonna betray you? And I look right at you and I say, the one who dips his bread in this oil, he's the one. And Matthew dips the bread in the oil. He had an opportunity and an option to repent. So God loves even better. But we'd rather see the Judas's hung and commit suicide instead of loving them the way Jesus did all the way to the end. That's a word right there. That's a powerful word. So spiritual people restore overtaken people. Come on, y'all. You guys all get overtaken at times and you need somebody more spiritual than you to restore you. And then when you get restored, you go be that to somebody else. Your restoration makes, should make you spiritual to go restore other people. That's why what we do what we do here for no other reason. This is what parents do. Moms and dads carry a massive amount of weight for their kids, massive, especially if you're a single parent. There's nothing probably as hard on the face of the earth as being a single parent the weight and the responsibility for your children, what you feel for them, how you love them, the responsibility to train them in the way they should go. And yet the whole time they're going the opposite way along the way, and they're not doing half of what you think they should do or told them to do. And it's like, when will the old part come in that they do what they were taught? Because God didn't give an age. He's not like at 25 when they get older, 35 when they get older. This is a, a great load that parents carry, spiritual parents, elders, In the kingdom, our spiritual mamas and papas, the greatest title in the kingdom is not elder, pastor, bishop, deacon. The greatest title in the kingdom is mom and dad. Be that. Titles are are natures. Elder's a nature. So you love well, you care well, you give consistently in a sacrifice for others. That's what parents do. This is what leaders do. Sadly, so much of the Western Americanized church are followers. Feed me, feed me, feed me. I'm not getting fed. The church didn't feed me. The house group didn't feed me. And we have a responsibility to feed God's people. Yes, we do. But we must first learn to go to the source to get our sustenance from the Father and from Christ himself. People are offended, divided, broken, but God doesn't want it that way. God wants us to love better and be more healed and unified than we've ever been before. And that requires being gentle. Spiritual people are gentle. Spiritual people carry a lot of weight. Business owners, if you own a business, you carry a lot of weight that most people don't understand. You literally care for people's livelihoods and paychecks, food on their table, food for their children but they carry that weight. This is what servants do. Servants constantly lay their life down for one another. A spiritual person is gentle and restores gently, but a non-spiritual person is just the opposite, unkind, harsh, brutal, severe, degrading, and humiliating. The Bible calls those types of people fools. Don't be one of those people. Not only do we have a load to carry, but we help carry the load and burdens of others. One of the ways that this is done, I would probably say one of the best ways that you can help restore somebody and help to carry a burden and a load load, is to accurately teach them the word of God and to use the word of God accurately. Scripture gives an answer and guidance to every single situation. There's not one word or one situation that does not have a word attached to it in the Bible. The problem is most of us don't know where it is because we haven't become students of the word. We know more about our careers, know more about our jobs, know more about the White House, political races, and the economy than we do God's word. So when we get into situations to restore people, think about it. When somebody needs restoration, they've gone astray. Mental illness. The sheep wandered away from the 99. Lies, fears, isolation, worry, those people need restoration. And so it's important for us that when we restore people that we do it first with God's word because God's word is powerful. Scripture says that God's word is like a double-edged sword or a weapon that pierces and separates what's of the flesh and what's of the spirit. And so God's word has this ability of healing, strengthening, directing, and guiding but many of you don't know God's word enough. And I love you, this isn't designed to beat you up. Get into the word and learn it, you're ill-equipped without God's word. Make it your life's ambition to study the word. And If you're a teenager, get the Action Bible. I read the Action Bible all the time. I love the Action Bible. I learned so much from the Action Bible. It's basically a comic book Bible, but it's fantastic. I mean, it's so good. So you've gotta learn the word so that you can direct, guide, comfort, instruct people in righteousness, reap, bring reproof to their life. God's word is powerful. And that's one of the greatest ways that you can restore someone who's gone astray. You have the scriptures, you have how you speak to them gently, and you have your life as a live action example for people to imitate. You know, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, roughly around 16 or 17, he says, I'm not saying this to shame you, but to warn you, you have 10,000 instructors, not many fathers, therefore imitate me. The question is, is can your life be imitated? And then who is imitating your life? Not as in a fake imitation crab, but as in a representation of the proper image and glory of God to one another. We must use God's God's word properly and accurately to teach and lead others out of their captivity. John 17, 17 says that God's word is truth and it sanctifies people. The word sanctify means to separate and call you out. So if I'm restoring you, I'm sanctifying and pulling you out of the lies and the deception and the fear and the worry. God's word pulls people out of lies, deception, fear, worry, doubt, disbelief, unforgiveness, bitterness, bondage, lies of the devil, everything. God's word is truth. And one of the very best ways you can restore somebody is to teach them the word of God. When the word of God is taught accurately, let's go to Galatians 6.6. When the word of God is taught accurately, there's a mutual sharing in all good things that takes place. Notice the scripture. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. You know, what's funny. If you read this scripture 10 times in a row, you're still not gonna fully understand it. What this is saying, it's mutual reciprocity. Who's sharing? The one that's teaching is sharing with the, the student or the student is sharing with the one who's teaching? yes. The answer is yes, right? So there's this understanding that when you come out and get restored, man, I'm sharing in the good things in your life. So a lot of people will never get into ministry or leadership or wanna be in management. You know why? They don't wanna deal with people's drama. If you don't wanna deal with people's drama, then you'll never be in ministry, leadership, or own a business. That's how that goes. You might as well not even work. Am I right? I mean, just forget church. It's like drama. There's, drama's gonna be everywhere you go. But the great thing is, is if I help restore y'all and get you healthy, which is what's been happening in your life, you're not living in sin, you're married, you've done the right thing, and you've made good choices and decisions to come out. Not, a lot of, not all good, you've done some stupid things, but I love you just the same. But the good news is, is I'm sharing in the good things now with Matthew and Nicole. Do you understand that? When some of you came here with broken marriages or you weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit and you got flamed on and turned prophetic, I'm sharing. Because that's the greatest thing. When God blesses your business and you're overflowing financially and you write a check to build the new sanctuary, I'm sharing. If When God blesses my business supernaturally and my life is blessed, you're sharing. This house is all about sharing. This building is all about sharing. It's all the goodness of God that started from a place of sharing. So let's say it together, everybody, like a child. You ready? Sharing is caring. That's right. Finally starting to get you guys woke up a little bit. Y'all fall asleep on me. Listen, I already preached this message once and poured my guts out, cried, yelled, shouted. I've cried two worship worship sets. Y'all can handle me now. Just soak it up. 20 more minutes, you can do it. Sharing is caring. It's mutual sharing in all good things. Because look, this is the way it works. When you're taught and you become a student and then you flip it and you do it the other way, guess what? Good things happen. Something good's gonna happen. The Bible promises. I don't know when. It's in God's time. But you know what I do know is you're gonna grow. Some of you are gonna grow faster and some of you are gonna grow slower. But everybody grows if you stay the course. You know, I've I told the story before. When I was in high school, eighth grade, living in Missouri, dead of winter, I was given an oak tree uh, root and stem. And I went out into my yard. Uh, they told me not to plant it until like February. So I go out in winter, it's freezing outside. I dug a hole. I'm in eight, eighth grade. I put that tree in that hole and I waited. And I waited. And I waited. And I watched it for probably two to four weeks, and all of a sudden, I'm like, this thing's not growing. I ripped it out of the ground. You know why it didn't grow? It was waiting for springtime, but I was impatient. Now, I was a kid. It looked dead to me. No leaf came out of it. You know, I'm used to being, in, I was used to being in school where we'd plant the little seed in the little pot, and by the next morning, I came in, there it is. But this oak tree was taking a long time. Some of y'all have no patience to stay the course. You want it now. You're not digging in the word. You're not getting water, fertilizer. You're not getting in the sunlight. You're being impatient, angry, frustrated, offended with one another, and wondering why we're not growing. That's not the kingdom way. You're not of this world. You're sons and daughters of the living God. Do you understand that? Now this word, go back to Galatians 6.6. I want you to notice the word share. This word share is the Greek word koinoneo. You know what it means? It means a partnership that partakes in the distribution of good outcomes. This is true fellowship where we all mutually share with one another. That's why the scripture says to not forsake the fellowshipping of one another. Because the minute you get isolated, you pull away. Oh, the church is jacked up. Everybody's broken. They didn't correct me right. They didn't teach me right. They weren't there when I needed them. They're never going to be there enough. If your eyes are on Jesus, it doesn't matter where you're at because you'll be where you're supposed to be. Neo. It's a mutual benefiting of good things. I'm not the man I once was. I'm not the guy selling drugs, looking at porn, living the, a hellion lifestyle anymore. I've grown. I've become something that I can give away. And that's what you must become. It's neo. All of us are to care and all of us are to share. Mutual caring leads to mutual sharing. And especially for the student and the teacher of God's word. You must learn God's word. I'm telling you right now, you know how many difficult conversations and conflict resolution things I've been in and people are spewing things out of their own mouth, but nobody's sharing in the word of God properly. And that doesn't mean I always throw scripture at you. You become the word of God in flesh. Let's say this together. I become the word of God in flesh and dwell among men like Jesus did because he's in my heart. So that doesn't mean all I ever do is shout scripture out at you, but I also have enough scripture in me that I'm fully equipped, I'm fully prepared, I'm fully empowered. It's a treasure chest of a thesaurus of all the ways and means of God inside of you. That's why those who know the law and love the law of God are not easily offended because I know God's word, I know who he is, I know how he loves, I know how he cares about you. This is how a healthy body works. My blessings become a shared blessing for you. When you're rewarded, I'm rewarded. It's a sharing in the rewards. Whether that's money, stuff, things, people, resources, a house like this, a worship like we had today, oh my gosh. The worship was other, it was another dimension. The rocket thrusters were lit and to orbit we went, and I loved it. Galatians 6.4, I wanna talk to you for a moment about examining your work. When I examine my work personally, when I examine my work properly, I rejoice personally. Look at this, let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another I'm rejoicing in the work that God has given me. And I'm not comparing myself. What does it mean, and not in another? It means that I'm not comparing myself for falling into envy, covetousness, jealousy, or comparison. We're to have strong work ethics and our work is to always be first under the Lord. It's kingdom business, it's not personal. It's just kingdom business. And I have a kingdom business to do at Rock City Church. And I'm thankful for New Life and I'm thankful for Waldron Road Baptist, and I'm thankful for Grace Community, and I'm thankful for the NET Fellowship, and I love what God's doing at all of those places, but I'm not comparing myself to them. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm doing my work unto the Lord. I'm rejoicing personally. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 128, it's vain for you to get up early, or Psalm 127, it's vain for you to get up early, go to bed late and eat your bread with sorrow. I don't wanna eat my bread with sorrow and living by the sweat of my brown toil. You know what I wanna do is I wanna work unto the Lord and be about my father's business. That's what I want you to be. Be about your father's business. And when you are, you'll rejoice over your work just as he rejoices. If the father's rejoicing over me and I'm rejoicing over my work, it's nothing but a party. It's party time. This is how you live and rest. This is how you live in peace. Can I get an Amen. You guys with me? Good, because I've got 14 minutes and I'm just getting started. Listen, we're to have strong work ethics and our work should always be first to the Lord. How do you know when your work is proper? Is that what you're doing is right? You examine it. This word for examine is very important. Go back to Galatians 6.4. To examine means to prove, test, scrutinize for authenticity. It means to deem worthy and genuine by looking extremely close at it. It's checking yourself before you wreck yourself. It's not living, you know, there's no haphazard in the fruit of the Spirit. Haphazard's not the fruit of the Spirit. There's no such thing as blind faith. Now, sometimes you have to try things because this word examine is so important for you to understand. It means that you try and test something. Meaning that sometimes you don't know until you try it out or test it. Like test driving a car, a truck, or a motorcycle, or a Jeep, whatever it is. You try it out, you test it. Like dating properly. You date properly to see somebody's character, to see how they react in hard times, how they resolve conflict. Everybody puts their best face on in the beginning, but give it some time. That's why people tell me when they're 16, oh, I saw you from across the room and I knew you were the one. I'm like, you don't even know what love is yet. And yes, I'm referring to this this section right over here. You date properly when it's time. My kids are gonna date properly when they're 35. Be glad I'm not your dad. Nah, it won't be that long. Maybe 25, but... The point is, I teach my children, now you all know I have three little kids, 10 and under, one that we're fighting to adopt. See, you learn by examining. If your life gets examined, what would it reveal? It has to be tried and tested to see what comes out of you. So God puts you through situations to try you and test you so that you can be refined like perfect gold and learn to endure. We all have to learn to endure. So we try and test something. You date properly in a healthy way. Just because somebody met their spouse and got married the next day or within three months doesn't mean that that's the standard. Seriously. Yes, there are exceptions to the rule, but the exception to the rule is not the norm because we have one out of every two marriages combusting in divorce. And in the church, it's not any better. So you learn to build healthy relationships. You learn to examine. You take your time. You do it right. You stay healthy. How about giving things time while you're in discovery, like attending a new church? A lot of you have been new or new here and lots of visitors come. Lots of people trying to decide if they like Rock City. You know what I say? Come two or three times. Come, come, do do a temperature check. Is the presence of God hot? is the spirit moving here? Is this, is this what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Because you have to be spirit-led in where you go. So that is an, an understanding of trying and testing or examining. Examine the house. No, it's not perfect, but I can assure you that Jesus is being birthed in this place. You know that learning to be spirit-led or wind-driven or pneumaticos or spiritual takes trying and testing. Sometimes you don't always know the answer until you step into something. Many times I don't have, God's not giving me a clear answer. He says, step into it and I'll show you when you do. So I step into it and it's like, okay, this is of the Lord, this is not of the Lord. So that's an examination. You guys understand that? You all should be examining every single thing you're doing with your time, your money, your resources, your work, your friendships. Everything should be under examination properly with the eyes of the Lord in your life. It's under the hand of the mighty, of the hand of the Lord, amen? So proper examination always leads to proper outcomes. Proper outcomes always leads to bigger loads and burdens to carry. Bigger loads need more grace and revelation as to why we do what we do, which is why the kingdom has governmental positions and needs leaders to step up to the plate and carry weight properly. So few people in the church carry weight or they do a little side serving thing. Few people will lay their lives down sacrificially and carry massive amounts of loads. And God has called this church to be that church. This is a governmental prophetic standard church. We're not gonna be like anybody else, but we're called to flip this city upside down. And in the midst of worship, First service, Mark was singing about opening the gates and the city gates, and I started praying for city hall and the courthouse, and I'm like, Lord, I'm praying for the city gates. He says, you're praying amiss. You are. This house is the city gate. The standard's the kingdom. You're already sitting at the city gate, and you don't even understand it. The church and the kingdom of God is called to be the city gate. That's where the elders sit, amen? Amen. That's why it's not about us. Everything is a sacrifice and we're all called to live sacrificially for one another. And because of that, we're to share not only in the hard times because we're really good at that. Problem, 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 problem. Issue, issue, issue. Frustration, uh, disunity, offended, mad, not getting what I needed. This leader did this, this leader did that. We're really good or I'm combusting or I I smoked crack last night or did coke last week or whatever it is. Got high this morning, looked at porn. Uh, Whatever it is that some of y'all struggle with. Whatever it is, we need each other to help others to come out of it. We live a life of sacrifice for one another. We help one another gently, caring, full of confidence and boldness in who we're called to be. So we share in the hard times, but how about in the good times? Man, pastor, I've been sober for six months. Some people, it's like three days. I'm like, come here, high five, three days. I'll take three days all day long. I got some people in here that's just like when I tell you you should never have sex before marriage, I've had them look me right in the eye and say, There is no way in, there might be children in here, you know what I want to say? That I'm going to do that. I'm like, Well, then you're going to combust, and then relationship will combust. If you shack up, you crack up. Now, God can heal crack up, He can, and He has. There's many people in this house that, he, that he's healed crack up. But you were really cracking up, let me just tell you. Right? Come on, y'all. Don't pretend. It, was, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't healthy and fun and right and was messy. But you got right and you did it right. Amen. So we share in the hard times and in the good times. This is the process of reaping and sowing, Galatians 6.7. Look at this scripture, don't be deceived. God is not mocked, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. We literally mock God like a stubborn, immovable horse. When we stop sowing or we sow discord. You know, I grew up on a ranch in Missouri and my dad would break colts and fillies every spring. And what he would do is he would get that halter on them first and they would walk around for a long time in the pasture with the halter. And then one day he would practice getting them on the rope and, the, and slowly but surely they'd get used to the rope that the rope wasn't gonna bite them or hurt them. And then when they finally got used to the halter and the rope, they t- my dad would tie the rope to a fence post. And you know what that filly or colt would do almost immediately? Fight the fence post. Pull and for, I mean, hours tug and sit there tugging. Sometimes horses would hurt themselves fighting to get away from the the post. But I'm telling you guys, eventually that horse would realize they're not going to win against the post. And the post will break them. They won't break the post or they'll hurt themselves continuously fighting against the post. And some of y'all keep fighting against God. You're hurting yourself and you're not allowing yourself to be broken. You wanna be wild mustangs and keep doing it the way that you wanna do it and you wonder why you keep combusting. But guess what? I'm gonna still be here. I don't care how much you shack up, bust up, smoke up, toke up, line up, whatever it is, because I've been down this road. I'd be a terrible pastor. But why do you keep doing it the hard way? You're only creating harm for yourself. You can't, don't be deceived. We're in deception when we neigh against God like a stubborn, unbroken horse. That's actually what that means. If you look that up, God can't be mocked. It's all about a stubborn horse that neighs. And if my dad ever had horses like that, that would bite and kick and were mean, gone. He'd sell them. So some of you have been hurt, jaded, upset, frustrated, so you just pull away. You're being deceived. You stop sowing. Or some people are sowing discord, strife, division, hatred, gossip. We have to stop. We always reap when we sow properly and we'll reap a great reward, but it's always in God's due time. Hebrews 10, 35. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. How many would like a great reward? I'm gonna raise all four of my hands up. My spiritual and my natural. So here's what I do. I'm not doing it for the reward, but I know it's coming. I don't know what it'll look like, but God always rewards. Now you have to understand, I was in prison on the streets, tripping acid, mushrooms, and smoking pot night and day. Look at my life today. Five coffee shops, awesome wife, and I got you. When I was dying on my deathbed with a pneumonia, I got Peggy, and I got Dr. Keith and Erica, and I got the shoot arcs and I got the Whitings, and I've got so many of you in my life now because I stayed the course, and I didn't give up, and in turn, you are a reward. This house is a reward. The new sanctuary is a reward, but forget all that. The greatest reward is when you're walking in confident peace of who you are, and you're rejoicing in your work personally because you're doing it unto the Lord. So don't cast away your confidence. It has great reward, but you have need of endurance. Now, I've been wanting to teach on this for so long. Look at verse 36. Let me ask you guys a question. When do you receive the promise? Before or after you do the will of God? That's right, after. You have need of endurance so that after not before, and that's the, the sad reality is we live in a culture and a church, so I need the promise right now. Promise, promise, promise. Like, yet you're not doing the will of God, and you're wondering why the promise isn't coming. Notice this, do the work, do the will, and guess what happens? Bam. What is it you're wanting to see in your life? Get to work. Do the will of God, and you'll receive the promise. Stop chasing after all the blessings and the promises and the breakthroughs. Get busy about your father's business. It's not personal. It's just kingdom business. For yet a little while, everybody say a little while. a little while. And he's coming will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anybody draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So God literally says, this is the pessimistic side of scripture, if you pull back, God's not gonna have any pleasure in you. That's not good news. That's kind of, I don't typically like those kind of scriptures because I'm like an eternal optimist to the extreme. But, if, but scripture makes it clear. Pull back, shrink back, and God will find no pleasure in you. He loves you, but he has no pleasure in what you're doing. Stop shrinking back. Step in, lean in. Get busy about your father's business. But what I love about scripture is as fast as there's a pessimistic scripture, there's an optimistic one. Look at the next scripture. The next scripture says, I'll paraphrase it, that ain't you. That's not you. Everybody say, that's not me. Say, I'm not going to be that guy or girl. You know who you are. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm ones that believe to the saving of the soul. Whose soul? Mine and yours. Mine and yours. You know, the whole context of this scripture, by the way, is people took advantage of you and stole your stuff and you rejoiced in it because it didn't matter because you had a treasure in heaven. That's the whole context of this scripture. And some of y'all, it's like you get reviled, you get persecuted, just like they did to Jesus. You're ready to fight back, get mad, get offended. Oh, no, they took my stuff. They, you know what? If you live in Flower Bluff, all your stuff is rusting away. Come on, guys, you can smile at that. We live next to one of the saltiest estuaries in the world, Laguna Madre, and it is salt.com. Every new thing I buy within a short matter of time. Do not store on, store, what does it say? Store your treasures in heaven where rust, moth, and thief can't steal or destroy, right? Right? So I'm gonna go to this. Our our work must first be to the Lord, not to man. Yet these ultimately become one and the same. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, one of the things that happens a lot, I'm gonna close with this, is that people get irritated with me because they feel like I don't make time for them. They're like, you're my pastor. I never meet with the pastor. You're always so busy. And this, now some of y'all are like, I know that's not you, but I'm just telling you. Or they're not irritated. They just say to me, I know you don't have time for me because you're so busy. Or they'll say, and I hate that. I hate that pressure. Really, what I'm busy with is the father's business and the kingdom of God. Now, let me just put it in his perspective for you. I have three kids. This is not about me. I'm not saying this to you to make this about me. But I want you to understand what leaders and fathers and business owners and pastors and shepherds and leaders like yourselves will be destined to carry. All right? I need you to understand this. I'm gonna say this one time. I don't have an intention to say it again. We'll talk about the business again when Starbucks comes across the street, but until then, (laughs) until then, I'm gonna share this with you. I'm 53 years old with three kids, 10 and under, and one of them we've been fighting to adopt for over two years. Thousands of dollars, countless court cases, and a whole new addition to our family that we love so much that has been an incredible weight. My kids are in jujitsu, they're in piano, One's in soccer, and we're always going somewhere, okay? Forget the kids and all that. I'm married. Let's just talk about marriage. (laughs) Marriage, that's a whole nother death process to self, right? Quality time, dating, lots of talking. (laughs) Hours of talking. I I have some land that God bless us with pre-COVID, four acres here in the bluff, full of sticker burrs, full of sticker burrs. And it always needs husbandry. You know what the word husbandry is? It means to take care of what God's given you, right? So I'm not gonna be that guy like Saul, King Saul, who, made, who had, all your, had all the kids mow his fields for free. I don't want anybody to mow it for free. And most of the time, I can't afford to pay somebody, so I do the work. That takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of effort to take care of what God's given you, Right? Let's talk about my business for just a moment because you guys may not know, there's five coffee shops with nearly 50 employees now. I have one district manager, three GMs, and I'm the sole owner of Coffee Waves or J Rocks Coffee Company. I directly manage two of the three locations now, including the Flower Bluff location. I'd like to give a shout out to Francisco Cortez, who was here last service, who's been a manager, Cole Spurgeon, who's also been a manager and set me up for success. I've now officially taken over Flower Bluff and Uptown, and I oversee the entire company and all the affairs of the business. This is a massive weight and responsibility that goes with owning a company. So let me show you all my employees. Let's pull up the picture of all the Coffee Waves employees. Most of these employees are young adults. Some are moms. Very, I don't think there's any dads. There's some moms in there, lots of people from Rock City, and lots of young adults to go to the campus. And the college There's about maybe seven or eight employees missing. And then, of course, the living room of the church is the Flower Bluff Coffee Shop. Let's take a look at that one. These people I am now directly leading on a daily basis and making sure Flower Bluff Coffee Shop. Next picture. There we go, thank you. These, this is your crew. I expect you to treat them well, tip them well, be nice and don't demand them, commandment, command them and there's no entitlement at this coffee shop. Don't walk in and go, well, I'm gonna tell my pastor you didn't make my drink right because I told them to tell you, well, they're gonna tell their boss about you and get your name while they're at it. There's this known thing at the coffee shop that on Sundays people don't tip and are rude, that Christians don't tip are rude. When I waited tables at Red Lobster and Steak and Ale for years, I hated working on Sundays because the Christians out of church were the worst tippers and not nice. That's why I always worked the bar section. I loved the bar section on a Sunday. If you go in to get drinks, these people are working, and if a lot of you come to work for me one day, you want people to tip and treat you well, so you treat them well. There's no entitlement, but that church is like the Friends show. That's where everybody hangs out, or the Cheers, except there's no alcohol at the Cheers. There's no bar, right? And so I'm saying to you guys that that's a lot of weight and a lot of people that need to be loved and treated well and a lot of responsibility that I carry. In 2022, my business paid out 411,000 in wages, 169 in payroll taxes, 186,000 in local sales tax, and year to date, I've already beat those numbers from last year. Not only does Coffee Waves have a profound impact on employment and the local economy, it also positions me for incredible impact, both in the marketplace and with city leaders. I influence city council members. I get to spend time with city leaders, city manager, the mayor, all these people. I lead a pastor's group of 12 pastors for the last seven years. And then there's the church. As the senior pastor, the personal and spiritual weight is a lot. 500 600 attenders and members, ministry oversight, leading others. I directly have led the Firestorm for three years. I lead the men's ministry on Saturdays, on the Saturdays over in the month. Outreaches, partnerships, city, nation, the heart of God for his people, the property, the expansion, casting, vision, building, spending a lot of time with the Lord to hear God's voice. Rock City's having a profound impact on so many people's lives. I'm also on the Ethics Commission. The Ethics Commission holds the city council and the mayor and city employees accountable. I'm also the president of the Tribe of Judah Motorcycle Ministry. And without the Tribe of Judah, there'd have been no David Jenkins in my life or in this house proud of you. And then there's me time, quiet time, quality time, the gym, exercise, social life. My point in saying all of this to you is not about me. It's not personal. It's kingdom business. Now, a busybody, you know, the Bible says, don't be a busybody. You know what a busybody is? It's useless toil by the sweat of your brow. But when you're about your father's business, you're reproducing sons and daughters and advancing the kingdom on a massive scale. It's not personal. And I won't ever take it personal when you're building and expanding and doing what God's called you to do. We all have kingdom business to do. Jesus is 12 years old. He's left behind at the temple. His mom shows up and reprimands him like, where? How could you not have been with us this whole time? And if I was Jesus, I'd been. How could you? What a terrible mom! How could you have left me for three days? And then Mary says, "Don't you know that your father and I have been looking for you? You know what she, you know what he says. What Jesus says at twelve. I can only wish my twelve-year-old would have said it. Don't you know I must be about my father's business?" In Acts six when leaders were chosen for the church, it says literally they were chosen to oversee the business of the kingdom. Now the church is not a business like a corporation, like my coffee shops for profit and money. We don't peddle the word of God for profit. You understand that? But there's business activity. And the definition of business activity is this. There's a need and I'm gonna meet it and God's gonna give me the resources to fill it. The Garden Commission: be fruitful, Genesis 127. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, sub, or fill, reign and have dominion. And that's what kingdom activity does. Kingdom activity expands the kingdom, and few people will answer the call to carry the weight where it's not about them and they're selfish and living their lives unto themselves. Make a sacrifice. I carry gobs and gobs of weight, and I can't wait to make my next sacrifice because I love people. I'll be here on Tuesday nights leading prophecy rooms and dream team rooms. I'll be there on the second Saturday leading the men's ministry. I'll show up at the staff meetings and cast vision and love and care. I'll help navigate conflict and bring resolution to the most difficult of situations. If I can do it, you can do it. I came from a broken family, prison, LSD, mushrooms, pot, and a terrible lifestyle. Every single one of us has a responsibility to carry a load and to carry weight for one another. God is building a house, and you get to be a part of it, and your children, when you're dead, your kids will be the next pastors and leaders and children's directors. Do you understand that? My kids are gonna take over. Your kids are gonna take over. We're gonna be gone. Well, not y'all because you're young and so many of you are like, y'all better show up at my funeral and you better have a party and you better dance when it happens. You got that? All right. Next week, we're gonna talk about Luke 19. As Jesus was getting to Jerusalem, the disciples go, oh, yeah, yeah. He he could sense that they were thinking, and we're going to Jerusalem now. It's takeover time. You know what Jesus did? He taught a parable called the 10 minus, how he gave wealth and money to his business, the people running his business and his land. And he said, I'm going to go receive a kingdom, but I'm coming back. Do business while I'm gone. Woo, shaka baba. That's next week, guys. I'm telling you. We got work to do and I'm excited. And you know what? The business, when, I, when Coffee Waves just, just breaks out and sets a standard and flips the city upside down, you're gonna share in it and vice versa. This church has a call of God. You have a call of God on your life. Don't waste your time with things that don't build the kingdom and that don't matter. Do the kingdom work and watch what God does, amen? Let's all stand. Thank you guys. I know I went a little long, but it was Jordan's fault. I'm gonna pray for you guys now. I went so long, none of my musicians are even here anymore. Wow. (laughs) Just close your eyes for just a moment. Kingdom business. It's not personal. You're gonna rejoice in the work that God's given you and not in another. Lord, forgive us for comparing ourselves to other churches, other people, other movements, other ministries, people with money, people in positions. Show us what really matters, God. Speak life to you, health to you, wisdom, to behave and act wisely and to love better. Lord, I pray for spiritual people that you'd all be spiritual that you would restore those who've been overtaken. Have mercy, God, and give us great grace to carry the load and to carry burdens. Expand our capacity, God. Just say this when you say, Lord, expand my capacity for my children, my family, my future, every purpose and plan that you've established for my life. I'm sorry, Lord, for putting my eyes on man and taking them off you. I want to be spiritual, God, wind driven, breath led. Lord, we've been so selfish, God, I'm sorry. We've been so selfish, have mercy. I'm sorry, Lord, where it's been about me. Sorry for the people I've hurt. Sorry, God, for getting distracted from what matters the most, have mercy. Now you pray that for yourself You ask the Lord where you can love better, where you can restore others. Lord, I pray you would restore our confidence and that we wouldn't cast it away. Make us confident, God. Sons and daughters full of the spirit and power to transform the marketplace and the church from God's house to the streets. Lord, I thank you that this city belongs to you. This is your city, God, the body of Christ. Help us to be faithful and double up what you've given us so that we can lead and rule well. Lord, I pray for all the single parents here today. The load is heavy. Every mom Every dad, Lord, please, God, be there. Everything help these moms and dads, Lord, as they lead these little kids. Help them, Lord, to do it the way you want, God. Give them strength and grace. Those that are hurting and broken those that are ill in the mind and the heart, God. Give us your heart. We will We will work, Lord. We'll plow and we'll trust that the harvest is coming. There's a great harvest coming, beloved. There's a great harvest It's coming. Pray, workers. Raise up the workers, Lord, for the children, for the youth, the kingdom. We love you, God. I love you. Bless everybody in this house. Bless your kids, your family, your work, your relationships. Be blessed sharing it, sharing the goodness of God. It's been so good to you. He loves you so much. He loves us so much. And I thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for the children's workers Thank you for those that are gonna step up volunteer in all areas of this house, God. Thank you for those that give financially. Thank you for those that make sacrifices to love even better. And I bless you all. I bless you. I speak life to you, your whole family and your finances and your heart and your mind. And I thank you, God, for healing our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.